This week I had uh, a spiritual experience. You're going, oh good, he finally had one. No, <laughs> no um, explain it. Tuesday I, I sat down and I was going to read from Scripture and decided, okay, Lord, what would you have me to read? And instantly there's this reference, Hebrews 4.4, 4, and spiritual man that I am, I didn't remember what it was. Uh, so I looked it up, and uh, in that, I realized that God was talking to me, even though I wasn't particularly interested in hearing from that area. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, God speaks to us differently, and, and regularly, He's used references for me. Um, I can't tell you to how that works. I, I just know that it, it works, and there are times when very specifically, I know that he's speaking to me. So this particular time, uh, read Hebrews 4.4, it says, in fact, somewhere in the scriptures, it say, on the seventh day, God had finished his work, and so he rested. Well, last Sunday, I'd been working on that verse, and I knew where that one was, uh, but I'd forgotten the reference for this, and, and so I'm going oh boy, I think God wants to speak to me some more on this. And I wasn't really interested in hearing because my whole idea of, of Sabbath is one of those things that I'd like to just kind of jump on to the next topic. And I'm not sure that I even understand what rest is. Um, you know, I have a distinct memory as a kid of us being on a family vacation. And you know, we were in a, a home that was Christian, but also had quite a bit of rules and I remember my dad's struggle with trying to figure out what to do on a Sunday afternoon when we're camping in this camper, and he decides uh, it's time for the whole family to, to rest, take a nap. You know, Now, I can understand that from his vantage point. I just remember as a kid, you know, sitting there twitching and going, this is the dumbest thing ever, you know, and... Why, why would God put this on people? And, you know, later on, you, you know, you get to the, the place where, you know, it, when you go to try to rest, so to speak, or, or, you know, clear your mind for the Lord, as often as not, when I would sit down, I'd just fall asleep. And I went, well, that was... Time well spent in resting, but it, it really didn't do much for me in talking to God. And I find even now when I'm, when I'm trying to clear my mind, so to speak, and think about God, that as soon as it, there's a, a vacancy, thoughts start taking off in one direction or another. And I don't know that it's realistic to think that you're just going to sit there and nothing happens. But that, all that said, what I want to address is that what has started in us spiritually has started internally, right? It didn't start with outward law or outward form. It started with a change of heart in the Lord. So when we discuss Sabbath, it's got to have an internal start. It can't be just this outward form that, in a sense, is a law to us, and then somehow we'll figure out what God wants as we do that. And to, to take that on, I want to look at some of the verses where 
the idea of rest uh, is, comes out. And uh, one is out of 2 Chronicles 14. A king named Asa is going to war. Um, the army that he's fighting has twice as many soldiers as what he has. And so he's calling out to God for help. And he says, we rely on you. And another translation says, we trust in you. The King James Version that we use for years and years says, we rest in you. And so, in a sense, there's this place of calm in our hearts where we're saying, you've got this taken care of. There's this, this point where even though we're in war, we're going to rest our hearts are going to rest in you. We're going to rely and trust in your provision. There's another passage I'd like to read, and this is out of Zephaniah. Again, crying out to the Lord. The Lord your God wins victory after victory and is always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you. He will refresh your life with his love. Another translation says... He will be quiet in his love. In a third translation, the King James said, he will rest in his love. So it's like, he says, there's a quieting of the soul, so to speak. Um, that's like being with someone that you've known a long time and being able to go somewhere and not having to talk, but in a sense, enjoying the, the tie together and yet, in a sense, knowing what each other's thinking or, or what, but not necessarily feeling that you have to just process something at the moment. I realize this was written by a guy, and I love it. Uh, but I, I still think there's something of value here. To just, in a sense, you know, the idea that's coming out of this that you can even be silent, you can, you can rest, you can trust, you can rely on, you can, uh, there's a calmness of heart, so to speak, that says that we're resting in the Lord. I'd like to read the, the few verses surrounding that particular portion. It says, Zion, your punishment is over. The Lord has forced your enemies to turn and retreat. The Lord is King of Israel and stands at your side. You don't have to worry about any troubles. Jerusalem, the time is coming when it will be said to you, don't be discouraged or grow weak from fear. The Lord your God wins victory after victory and is always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you. He will refresh your life with his love. The Lord has promised your sorrow is ended and you can celebrate. So there's this calling out to them and saying, you know, all that's been going on is that's, that's taken care of. God is winning victories in your life and for you, accomplishing great deeds in regard to his kingdom. Um, that said, let's, let's move to the New Testament. And Jesus, we would looked at this verse a few weeks back, but remember when, when he's saying, all you that are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. In other words, he says there's an appropriate task for the day, but if you're settled within his order or um, boundary, so to speak, or within his uh, working, 
there's an appropriateness to what you're involved in. There's a, a peace about life that's available to you. There's a rest, so to speak. So again, when, when we've looked at these verses, it's not a declaration of inactivity. Although you can contrast that with the screwing around trying to prop everything up and get it done. Or there's a, 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 a quietness of spirit, so to speak. Remember the Psalm of Ascents when he says, you've quieted my heart like a weaned child. You know, a weaned child in his mother's arms is just wanting to, that comfort of, of being with mom, but it doesn't feel like anything has to happen. It's just this wonderful moment of, of peace, so to speak. In some ways, that's, there's an opportunity in the Lord for our hearts to be drawn into that kind of calmness. And if we truly discover what Sabbath or rest is about, it's not about kind of a, a moving into a stage of absolute inactivity and shutting down of thought, but it, it's more allowing us to enter a place where we know that we can trust and rely on Him and there's a settledness about life that just says, it's good. I can, I can be at peace with him. I can rest in his care. Let, let's go back to the Lord taking the Sabbath. You know, when, when he created for six days and then he rested... I don't think it means that God took a nap. He doesn't slumber or sleep, right? But there was a, a calmness and a peace about what he had accomplished. And in some ways, he was enjoying that. And if, if it's just about, for us, of um, a law that says, okay, I'm going to settle down in him, that's kind of that outward pressure, right? But a, a trust is it's much more significant than that. Okay, so when I hit this Hebrews 4.4, 4, um, I'm going, okay, well, I'll read the whole section that where he discusses rest, okay? And I'll try to see what he has for me. And that actually starts back in the third chapter. And so we go back there, and, and what I want to note is that the very first thing I saw in reading through that portion and on into four, four times there's a contrast with stubbornness. And I'm going, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, what am I being stubborn about that is refusing to allow a trust in him or a rest in him? Because I know that he's speaking to me. I'm just not sure what he's saying at that moment. And I know he's wanting to get my attention. It's just, what is he, what's he trying to bring across? And if I see a term like stubbornness listed four times, something in me wakes up and says, I better, I better at least address this and look at it. Now, that term, that was the translation I was reading, um, some, some translations interpreted it as hardness. 
You know, some of the older translations, a hardening of heart, so to speak, or a callousness, which is a really intriguing idea that, you know, to let a callousness grow over our lives in regard to a tenderness toward God, in some ways, is a stubbornness. There's a, there's a connection here. So let's, let's read through some of these <laughs> so you can enjoy the journey with me. Christ is the son in charge of God's people. We are those people if we keep on being brave and don't lose hope. So we've stepped into something wonderful. We, we carry that title of God's people as long as we continue in what? According to this translation, bravery and hope. Intriguing idea. It's just as the Holy Spirit says, if you hear God's voice today, don't be stubborn. That's the first one, right? Don't rebel like those people who were tested in the desert. So he's alluding back to the Old Testament and stories that they would know. I want you to note, it doesn't do any good for us to look at these illustrations unless we glean the truth out of them, right? So hopefully, as this writer's bringing this out, he's, he's addressing this and saying, okay, we have all these stories as a part of our heritage, but we've got to put them into our lives if they're going to do any good. Uh, one thing I want to note, that, that Hebrews, or the Hebrew passage where it talks about cre God creating, somewhere in the scripture it says, that's kind of a funny phrase, isn't it? You know, we're going, well, that's Genesis 1. <laughs> and the writer's going, somewhere, somewhere in the scripture. Uh, I want you to note, that they didn't have chapter divisions until many, many years later. And we're all used to chapter and verse. That wasn't their thing. They, they heard from the scrolls. Most of them didn't have a copy in hand. But they, they still knew the Scripture. We're able to quote it. Okay. For 40 years, your ancestors tested God and saw the things he did. Then God got tired of them and said, you people never show good sense. You don't understand what I want you to do? God became angry and told them that you'll never enter my place of rest. My friends, watch out. Don't let evil thoughts or doubts make any of you turn from the living God. So he, he addresses this and says, okay, they kind of went and did their own thing. They refused to embrace what God had for them. And he contrasts, or he, the, what he pulls out and defines for us, it says, they were living with evil thoughts and doubts. That's what they were concentrating on and, and allowing to grow in their hearts. Well, I've been a person that's functioned in doubt regularly. But I certainly don't want to put it at the same scale as what's in the desert. Because that would be bad, Right? Righteous man that I am, I just, you know, my doubt is it's little. <laughs> At least that's what I want to believe. But it, what he's saying is that our evil thoughts and our doubts can cause a callous over our lives that moves us away from really trusting and relying on what God has for us and what he's truly been speaking to us. And there's, there's a, you know, in doubt, will God really provide? Will, I, will he really work good into my life? Will he really 
cause things to work out even though I feel like he's called me to this? Or do I walk with this, I hope it doesn't fall apart today. You know, and on to the next day, I hope today's not the day when everything crashes. And on to the next day, I, you know, I hope to just somehow get by today. It's not relying in his promise or his care or his goodness. It's, it's walking in doubt. And so in the desert, they're, they're in this situation where they're going, you know, this manna could be cut off any day. The land that he's calling to us to has giants. Where are we going to find water next? There's over a million of us. You know, all of those things, in a sense, in the natural, are legitimate concerns. But they are not built on a trust in God and his guiding hand over their lives. He says, if, if you don't, then sin may fool some of you and make you stubborn. Okay, there's that word again. We were sure about Christ when we first came, became his people, so let's hold tightly to our faith until the end. So what he is saying that to participate in this rest essentially is, a, is an act of faith, right? Walking in, by faith in the Lord, contrasting it with the doubt, that if we truly want to, to, in a sense, be in the place of rest in the Lord and trust and reliance on Him, we've got to exert a measure of faith that says He is good and He has good intent for my life and He will work things out. Scriptures say, if you hear His voice, don't be stubborn. So again, there's that word, like those who rebelled. Who are those that heard God's voice and rebelled? Weren't they the same ones that came out of Egypt with Moses? Who were the people that God made angry or made God angry for 40 years? Weren't they the ones that sinned and died in the desert? What he's drawing out of this is that there was a salvation of a group of people when they were brought out of slavery. Just like you and I have entered into salvation in him. And they were on a journey to this promised land, just like you and I are in journey in the Lord. And he said, yet the stubbornness of their hearts kept them from, a, from a, obtaining what God truly had laid out for them. Who did God say would never enter his place of rest? Weren't they the ones that disobeyed him? We see that those people did not enter the place of rest because they did not have faith. The promise to enter the place of rest is still good. Now, here's where he's, he's calling it out and saying, okay, what was offered to the people of that day is still a promise that's available for us now. We must take care that none of you miss out. We've heard the message just as they did, but they failed to believe what they heard, and the message did, them, did not do them any good. So again, here's that, unless we apply what we've learned from these illustrations, it has no value for us. Only people who have faith will enter the place of rest. It's just as the scriptures say, God became angry and told the people, you'll never enter my place of rest. 
God said this even though everything had already been, ma been made ready from the time of creation. Here's the verse. In fact, somewhere in the scriptures, say by the seventh day, God had finished his work and so he rested. We also read later that he said, you will never enter my place of rest. This means that the promise to enter is still good because those who first heard about it disobeyed it did not enter. He's saying even though they got into the promised land, it was not fulfilled. In fact, much later he told David and made the same promise again. If you hear his voice today, don't be stubborn. There's that verse. If Joshua had really given the people rest, there would not be any need for God to talk about another day of rest. So even though they entered in the promised land, even though they had established themselves as a nation, he says they did not fully accomplish what God had desired to do for them. And he says that promise is still available for us today. So taking that into a New Testament setting where Jesus has promised rest for those who rely on him and who will turn their lives over to him, there is this opportunity for us to have a peace or a trust or a, a rest for our souls, so to speak, no matter what the outward circumstance is. You know, if the king is saying, I will trust in you even though he's in the middle of a battle, then surely you and I can find a place of peace and trust in whatever we're into as well. God has promised us a Sabbath when we will rest, even though it has not yet come. On that day, God's people will rest from their work just as God rested from his work. We should do our best to enter that place of rest so that none of us will disobey and miss going there as they did. Then there's this final verses that are linked, but it's this idea that God's not fooled by any thoughts of our hearts. He knows exactly what's going on. And it says, what God has said isn't only alive and active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. His word can cut through our spirits and souls and through the joints and marrow until it discovers the desires and thoughts of our hearts. Nothing is hidden from God. He sees through everything, and we will have him to tell him the truth. So I look at that, and I'm going, okay. You know, in, in my case, I'm dealing with this for three or four days, and, and finally I'm going, okay, God, what do you want from me specifically? And he gave me something, and I, I, if you asked me privately, I'd probably share that with you. It's, it's not that big a deal, but my initial response was, Really? No. <laughs> and then it's like, do I dare say no after I've been asking and I've actually gotten something in hand, you know, to do? And it's like, no, even though I don't, this isn't my first inclination. This is a step of faith of being called to. Well, for you, it's different. It's a different situation, even though you have to discover what rest is in your life as well, right? So that means when we call out to the Lord now and say, do you want to speak to me anything about this? That there has to be a willingness to respond when he gives you something specific. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> Lord? 
We've read from your scripture the illustrations. We've seen the warnings that call us not to be stubborn, but to rather respond in faith. And we confess that there is a, a, an element of, of uh, confusion in our hearts, even as to what true rest and Sabbath mean. So we ask that you would reveal to us what specifically you would want in our lives individually, even in this moment. Thank you that we can trust you for this and trust you in this. And that as we walk out in obedience to what you've called us to, there will be a peace and a calmness of soul that can't be achieved any other way. Thank you for that. Amen. The fact that God speaks to us at all is supernatural, right? It starts with Him speaking into our lives. When He gives us vision or um, directives as to what He wants us to do, and we start walking in that, there's a tendency to say, okay, He's given me the mind to get this done. He's given me the discipline to see it out. I have money here, that I, resources that I can use. And it's, it's kind of like a marching off on our own power and strength. And regularly, he will introduce elements and say, this is beyond me. I cannot get this done with what I have in hand and who I am and what. Simply because what started by faith must be continued by faith and his power and intervention to see the true glory of it. That way he gets the honor at the end. And so, you know, when we're looking and, and we're saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, that's a good place to be in. Because it's this, this window of where we recognize it's got to be God if this is going to happen. And when it does, then we can do the declaration of glory to God. <laughs> you know, glory to God because this never could have been done in my power. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it means to rest in you, trust you fully, and rely in you. I pray, Lord, as each one goes into the community, that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I pray that you'll enable them to carry out the deeds of your kingdom. I ask that you'll enable them with the supernatural. Be exalted, O oh Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Be honored and lifted up, we ask. Amen. What remains is open-ended worship. I encourage you to stay as long as you would. Like.